Hello listeners and welcome to From the Tiger's Mouth. Tiger Recruitment's podcast series is the number one place for workplace insights, thought leadership and topical issues across the global job market. In each episode, we'll be inviting an expert guest to share their thoughts and advice within their professional field. Whether you're looking to reinvent the way you run your business or to hear new opinions and ideas on the state of the market, we've got you covered. So if that sounds like your kind of thing, stay tuned. Happy listening. Hi, everyone. I'm Jess, Senior Consultant in Tiger's New York office. Today, I'm speaking to the wonderful Jessalyn, founder of Whole Health Wellness. They specialize in helping companies improve their organizational health with self-funded, integrative, and customizable employee wellness programs. Jessalyn Hudgens has over 20 years of business experience in financial services, and her desire to share the benefits of what she's learned along her own journey led her to merge her business background and passion for wellness to help as many people as possible where they spend the majority of their time at work. Good morning, Jocelyn. It's so nice to meet you and have the opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you, Jess. Um, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. I think it would be really helpful if you could just start by telling us a little bit about your background. I mean, you're it's very impressive, and I'd love to hear how you got into health and wellness and how that's become such a passion point for you and how you think about employee well-being. Absolutely. And it really came about in a strange sort of unexpected way. I started my career off in finance, um, thinking I was going to go work on Wall Street and be this big investment banker. And (laughs) it seemed super glamorous and glitzy, but it just wasn't for me. I realized very quickly that that is not the entry point into finance. (laughs) One typically ends up being an analyst and sitting, staring at screens, looking for discrepancies the majority of the time. And It is very much a hustle and grind mentality. It's a work hard, play hard kind of industry. And that was really starting to take a toll on me. So I had been working in finance for about 20 years and total, but it was about 15 years ago or so when I started taking up yoga just for my own personal well-being. And in the beginning, it was very much more from a physical aspect of just being healthy, fit, being able to keep up with the long work hours. But it very quickly started to benefit me mentally, emotionally. I started to realize how much better I was sleeping, how I was more energized throughout the day. I was just in a better mood overall. Um, eventually, I found myself in, a, in an environment where I was working a really great, high-profile, high-paying job. I thought, oh, wow, this is the pinnacle of my career. I'm chief of staff at this amazing private equity firm. But it was incredibly stressful. It was incredibly demanding and challenging while a wonderful experience. Um, At that time, I decided, I think I want to pursue wellness full time. So I had an opportunity to go abroad. I did my yoga teacher training in Bali and came back. Oh, beautiful. It was an incredible experience. I'm really fortunate, really grateful for it. I can't wait to go back one day, but I... We'll have to do another podcast just on Bali. <laughs> we could ask, oh, there's so many things we could go over. and <laughs> Bali, world travels all over. But I came back and I thought, okay, great. I can teach yoga. What am I going to do with this? How am I going to make a real living? How am I going to impact as many people as possible and help them realize the benefits that this practice has had on me? And I came to realize that it wasn't going to be by teaching in a studio, maybe touching 10, 20 people at a time. 
So I tapped into my business background, my network, my experience, and I came up with the idea of creating an employee wellness company where I could tap into other professionals, other experts from a wide range, wide range of backgrounds, from mental health to nutrition to massage therapy to art therapy to music therapy, the whole holistic nine. And by putting these people out into the workforce, we had a ripple effect that would reach far more people in the places where they spent the majority of their time at work. That's amazing. And it's really courageous and brave for you to leave the world of finance, which is very alluring from a financial point of view, and just really focus on well-being. Thank you. Thank you. I hope that it's it certainly paid off for me. I from all the feedback I've gotten, I hope it's been paying off for those that we've been able to work with. I'm really grateful for the people that we've been able to touch. And I hope that it just continues to grow, that that ripple grows further and further out. So to be honest, you made it seem like it was a really simple transition and maybe it was, but I'd love to hear about also some of the challenges that you've had um, when addressing organizations and bringing your benefits, whether it's mental health or just general well-being to the um, employee base at these companies. <laughs> Thank you. It's a, it, people can always make things seem so easy and graceful. <laughs> but you know better than anyone being HR behind the scenes that it takes a lot of gumption. It takes a lot of determination and a strong commitment to your purpose, to what it is that you're really meant to be out there doing. And I think part of that challenge is just figuring out what your purpose is. And for me, it's spending so many years in finance feeling like I wasn't, quote unquote, succeeding or stacking up next to my peers. I just felt like I was constantly barking up the wrong tree and I needed to do something that was going to impact people in a way in which I could speak to that. And so wellness was that natural transition, that parlay for me. But starting a business in June of 2020 was right at the beginning of the (laughs) pandemic. (laughs) And that was terrifying for a lot of reasons. So many businesses were shutting their doors, but I saw an opportunity there, not as an opportunity, a necessity to really help people tap into their well-being, tap into their, to the amount of emphasis that they placed, especially on their mental and emotional well-being. And while a lot of organizations are realizing this and they are starting to turn the corner, We are seeing uphill trends, yes, but I think that number is still very small in comparison to the amount of growth this industry is expected to see over the next five, seven, ten years. You know, it's funny that you say that, like, as much as that that was a very difficult time in the world, I feel like there was a mental health crisis going on in the world. So maybe it was very serendipitous that you ended up starting your company in 2020. Um, I think it was. It was really, you know, it was one of those things where we just have to find the silver lining, the blessing in disguise and find what it is that we can work with out of something that was really so traumatic and so devastating for the entire world. In particular, um, what role have you found that HR professionals have played in promoting mental health and having these initiatives in the workplace? The HR professionals that I speak with are typically benefit specialists, and they all have a resounding sense of compassion and empathy. That can go either way. It can mean that employees are really drawn to you and they feel really connected and comfortable divulging in you and being um, vulnerable. But it can also mean that empathy means taking on others' burdens and taking it to heart too much. 
So one thing that I've really found that helps a lot of the HR professionals really play this role and promote it for their workforce is, as cliche as it sounds, putting their own air mask on first. Filling your cup, if you want it to sound a little less intimidating or, or, or scary. <laughs> but, you know, pick whatever cliche resonates with you. We can't pour from an empty cup. And in the face of ongoing layoffs, economic uncertainty, rapid workforce changes, HR professionals are really taking on the brunt of employee stress. And it's stemming not only from managing their own growing responsibilities, but also from the unspoken expectations of just serving as this emotional support pillar for everyone else. So defining what it is that they need, taking the time to prioritize that so that they can show up fully to engage and help support those who need it. What really resonates with me with what you just said is that it's just not one size fits all. And that's so important when I guess, I mean, I am not the expert, but it sounds like you agree that that's so important when rolling out one of these programs. Um, I'd love for you to talk to like the different effective strategies, since it's not one size fits all, that you've used with various companies to support um, their employees' mental health. Absolutely. So right now, what we're seeing a lot of in terms of employee stress and burnout, it has more to do with what they call workplace dread at the moment. So. We have, like I mentioned earlier, these massive layoffs, this additional workload, the emotional stress of losing a teammate or, you know, in living in fear of wondering if they're going to be the next one to go. So helping to avoid this overburdening of responsibilities, not respecting work-life balance or work outside of or life outside of work, these are some of the things that we really need to address. And act or action items that HR professionals can do to achieve this is helping employees to really define their roles, encouraging flexibility, welcoming open communication, letting employees have a safe space where they can voice concerns, seek clarification without fear of reprisal, promoting purpose. This is a huge one. I always come in to a client and I want to know what is their culture like? What is the company's mission? What is their vision? Do you involve your employees in creating your mission statement? Do you get together as a team and whiteboard and just brainstorm these ideas? Involving them in these practices is really going to help them feel more aligned with the organization, give them a stronger sense of purpose and contribute to their overall health and happiness. Prioritizing. Um, Thank you. Yes. I mean, it's it's so important to help people feel like they are part of the organization, that it's not just top down. Um, prioritizing oh. mental health is what we're talking about. But these leaders, HR included, CEOs, they have to model the self-care. They have to walk the walk, talk the talk. So scheduling time for themselves, encouraging their team to follow suit and prioritizing their own mental health will help their employees feel more empowered to radically invest in their own wellness. Perfect. My next question, I kind of find it a little ironic only because I feel like four years ago, the two of us probably would have been sitting in the same room having this conversation (laughs) and that would have been the podcast. But now, especially in the last three years, I feel like technology has taken over. People use Zoom, Teams, whatever you have. So tell me a little bit how um, technology has helped support um, mental health in the workplace and, and if any initiatives or have become, I guess, reliant on that. 
So you just touched on one of them. The fact that we're not sitting in a room face-to-face -face right now highlights, I think, the number one way that companies can implement technology by promoting a flexible remote work environment. We're letting employees know that, hey, we understand childcare needs have shifted. We understand that there is life outside of work and there are other, there are other responsibilities. So providing just access to connect because a sense of connection is still hugely important in the workplace but also respecting that we need to give employees space to conduct in all other aspects of their life, Zoom, Teams, whatever it may be. There's also a plethora of mental health apps out there. There's Headspace, there's so many that I could rattle off that employers can provide access to to help their employees with things like guided meditation, stress reduction exercises, mood tracking or cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. Those are all amazing apps. They've got five-star reviews across the board. Some might resonate better with others. So I you know, really suggest that companies tap into their workforce, really understand what it is they're going to utilize and what they want, and just give them that. There I are- I like that, because I actually have one of those apps on my phone, and there's even a section that says stressful situation at work, and you just listen to this little five-minute mantra, and you're like, okay, I can breathe, I can get through this. Exactly, they give you the quick, easy little snippets that you can integrate right here, right now. Things like the psychological side, when we feel our emotions start to build up and we feel, you know, sometimes the tears will swell up or the throat gets tight when we're stressed or we're frustrated. Just taking that moment to take a big deep breath in and the longer, slower exhale has an immediate physiological effect on the body. And these are great ways that employees can learn from a simple app on how to implement it into their work day. I um, agree. I love that. One other huge one that I do want to talk about here, because this Tell is something me. that I really utilize in my programming, are enhanced employee assistance programs. And this is giving access to online counseling and therapy at the click of a button 24-7. No hurdles to finding a therapist, no waiting lists. And people have the virtual platform, which I think allows them a little bit more room to feel like they can be vulnerable. It's sometimes harder to really dive into the deepest, darkest parts of yourself when you're sitting in a room staring at a stranger. But sometimes the screen in between you can help someone feel a little more comfortable. So having 24-7 access to counseling or therapy is huge, and it's really being taken advantage of right now. Yeah, I, I mean, going back to the days that I was in HR, I feel that a lot of employees were nervous to use the EAP just because they didn't think there'd be anonymity involved. But I think it's become so normalized, even um, this is more of a US thing, but you know, the commercials where you see Michael Phelps promoting, you know, mental health, and then it's become there's less of a stigma attached, in my opinion. At least that's what I've seen going on in the world. But I still think that there are sometimes hurdles. Um, for HR professionals to get over, to introduce things that you would probably like to introduce. What are, I guess, some of the easier things that HR professionals can tap into that might not need, I guess, that several tiers of approval that they could just implement quickly or easily? Yeah, I think just creating a space for vulnerability. You're right, there are some populations that are going to be more readily apt to adopt some of these practices like hopping into an online therapy session but there are other populations which aren't quite as comfortable with that but if you can create a space where leaders can authentically share their own mental health journeys 
or their own self-care strategies, it's going to help the employees feel more at ease in sharing their experiences or seeking help. So it's really just kind of helping to validate that, hey, you're feeling that way? Oh, I feel that way too. Okay, I'm not so weird. So it's important to maintain that essential boundaries are, are necessary between personal and professional spheres, but it does help that the team remains a supportive network for the mental wellness in the workplace. Um, yeah, treating mental health more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. It's just about helping people to feel comfortable and okay, letting it be less stigmatized um, and treating it more as a preventative measure rather than a reactive measure. Like, oh, this is a problem we have to solve rather than this is a necessary component of our employees overall well-being, which is holistic and holistic meaning. Don't it, wait till the cup is overflowing. Get exactly. right in there before that cup overflows. I agree. Exactly. Take care um, of the whole person. When I think of my career, there are always some stories that stand out, like success stories, and they truly make me smile. I'm sure that in the last three years, you've had experiences and like uh, there must be a story that stands out to you that makes you really proud. Can you give us an example of, I guess, a partnership with an HR department where mental health was really prioritized and you are just very proud of how that um, unfolded? So... In light of so many things that are going on, all of the things that challenge someone's mental health in the workplace, it's economic instability, it's overburdening, overburdened responsibilities, but it's also the social climate. What I've seen a lot of in recent days is an emphasis on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So while these might seem like two seemingly different concepts, mental health and well-being and DEI and B, they actually go hand in hand. So the companies that offer these diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging initiatives, they are offering support networks and resources to not only help the employees that are part of a marginalized community, but it really impacts the broader workforce alike. So it helps them to cope with external events that really impact everyone's mental health. And it addresses the intersectionality of mental health as essential. Understanding how an individual's social and political identity shape their experiences, particularly in terms of privilege and discrimination, really plays a huge role. We've got traumatic global events, and this is a, a stat that I pulled from, from our recent workplace well-being report that states 97% of employees' mental health at work is influenced by traumatic global events. 40% of them are citing economic uncertainty. So these are things that we can directly tie to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, whether it's related to war, violence, economic instability, global trends do hinder employees' ability to be fully present based on their identity and their lived experiences. So these initiatives I've seen have been crucial to really effectively responding to these polarizing events and providing the necessary support. Nowadays, all you have to do is turn your TV on in the morning and it's almost like terror can be inflicted because there's always something new going on in the world that, oh my goodness, like just a year ago, you didn't think this would happen. Just two years ago, just three years ago. I mean, I remember when we thought we would just be like in making banana bread for two weeks and then the <laughs> pandemic would be behind us, right? We all had that. I was just going to say, I have a few action items that can kind of back those up too. So, you know, thinking broadly and theoretically is great, but 
really taking employees into account and like I talked about earlier, involving them in really forming a culture or a mission statement, helping them to revise your non-discrimination policies, training your managers to discuss race and identity, really embedding DEIMB in your communications and your culture and not just waving it around like a flag, but really walking the walk, establishing inclusive meeting protocols, and weaving it into the wellness programs, taking steps to ensure that their wellness efforts provide po all populations with an equal opportunity to thrive. Those are some of the things we can do. For instance, we see a lot of emphasis on LGBTQ plus um, rights. So maybe that means providing more fertility benefits to plan an assisted reproductive technology, surrogacy or adoption to expand their families. You know, there's so many ways we can do this by being thoughtful and considerate. Amazing. Yeah, I see a lot of companies, at least some of the bigger companies, um, forming ERGs, which is a really, in my opinion, great way to support employees with a lot of the initiatives that you just um, mentioned. I think another thing, though, going on right now is, you know, people, this is also brought on by watching the news sometimes, too, but people do see some people getting um, laid off or burnt out or just working so hard to make sure they're keeping up with everyone else. How um, can organizations like support employees that are experiencing burnout or going through these high stress levels saying, oh, could something happen to me? I think allowing a little bit of flexibility, which we've touched on, but maybe that means allowing your employees to take a mental health day, again, without any kind of stigmatization or reprisal, beginning team meetings with a mindfulness exercise. Every time I go into a meeting, I have a mindful minute and I'll take one minute to maybe pack, practice box breathing with my group, which has like an immediate physiological effect on the body. It helps to lower our blood pressure, our heart rate, brings us into that parasympathetic state, which is more rest and digest as opposed to sympathetic being fight or flight. Checking in on our team members' well-being regularly, just asking, hey, how are you? And providing these various stress management resources and workshops, some of these tips that we've touched on today, those are some of the really easy ways that we can implement these practices. I feel like you almost brought this conversation full circle because I feel like if you're meeting with a team over Zoom, you forget these commonplace niceties about you know checking in and how are you because the screen between us almost makes it, you know, a little mechanical. Exactly, exactly. It takes a lot of the person out of it. So remembering that at the end of the day, we're all just human beings trying to do our best and being able to take the mask off once in a while and meet each other behind the veil. I think that's huge. And it really comes a long way in helping people feel that connection that we all crave. Um, I'd love, um, I guess, as part of like winding this conversation up and is for you to think about the future and what do you see coming down the road? What trends, developments do you see coming um, to companies to help employee awareness, well-being, um, mental health? So these trends, as we talked about earlier, they're only on the rise. They're not going to go away. We have to treat mental health as a preventative measure. So employers will increasingly emphasize preventative measures to address mental health and well-being issues before they escalate, not waiting for the cup to overflow, like you said. Providing more holistic well-being programs, taking the whole person into account, understanding that wellness or well-being doesn't just mean physical health or even mental health. It's emotional, it's spiritual, it's financial. 
it's social. It's there's so many aspects to one's overall well-being, and so addressing those and providing outlets for people to improve on that. Personalization and customization of their programs. Understanding that there is no one-size-fits-all model. We can't just expect to go into a workplace and say, here's your new wellness program if we haven't consulted the employees who are going to be using it. We have to integrate mental health into the culture. I call it a caring culture. That's one of the things that I pride myself on when I go into a workplace is understanding what their current culture looks like and understanding where we can help it be a little bit more caring, where we can put that human aspect back into it. Integrating the health into the organizational culture, enhancing the mental health benefits. So talking about earlier, the EAP programs, there are programs out there that we utilize that have no co-pays, no deductibles for these employees to tap into in instant access to a therapist. Using AI and machine learning, this is a huge one. So this is something that's new and it's got some controversy around whether or not it's going to take people's jobs away, but we can utilize AI in a positive way where it can help us provide more accurate mental health assessments. It can predict potential issues. It can recommend personalized interventions. These technologies can analyze large sets of data, they can identify patterns, and they can offer data-driven insights to support our employees' mental health. So we can use these to our advantage. More training for managers, more flexible work arrangements, focus on the DEI and B, and just regular well-being assessments, just tapping in, having that open-door policy so I can ask, hey, how are you, Jess? Or you can come to me and say, hey, Jessalyn, I'm not having such a good day. Can I talk to you for a minute? Of course. These are the things we're going to see becoming more part of the regular mental health initiatives going forward. I really like the idea of those things becoming normalized throughout, you know, the workplace and society. I feel that me and you have a lot in common. We could probably continue on for some time, you know, with HR backgrounds, wellness, and, you know, workplace challenges. I feel like I do actually believe in a lot of the things that you've talked about, which is, um, very organic to our conversation. That said, we we have to wrap things up, but I do want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything we didn't touch on that you want to talk about before we conclude? I am really grateful to be here. I enjoy this conversation and you're right. We could go on for days talking about things <laughs> that we, we can put in place. But I think right now I'm I'm just grateful that this is getting out there to touch so many people and we're impacting not only just the employees being in an HR background, but more importantly, the decision makers who are going to give our employees access to this. So I'm grateful to see these trends on the rise. I'm grateful that not only it gives me a job, it gives me purpose to, to go out there and do something that I love, but it's helping people to realize their purpose. It's not just about saying, hey, you know, I feel better in my body or I feel better waking up today. It's for me, what it's all about is feeling better in your body is kind of like the foundational gate to Maslow's hierarchy. Once you can help somebody feel better physically or mentally, they become more empowered to think, hey, what more am I capable of? What is my real passion? What is my purpose in life? And to go out there and pursue it. And that's what it's about, is helping people to really live their best lives and do whatever it is that they're meant to be doing. Well, my goal is next time we do a podcast, maybe we could even be in the same room and take the screen away. I, I think that would be so true to our story <laughs> that we, uh, the 30 minutes we just spent together, it'd be so much better. There would be smiling at each other and 
you know, human interaction, having a cup of coffee. I would absolutely love that, Jess. I would welcome it anytime. I look forward to that day. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate being here and I can't wait to, to our next conversation.